Welcome to Web Wednesday version 95, an interview with Matthias Hello, the chairman and co-founder of 8 Securities. So we're going to start with um, a little bit of charity. So if you haven't noticed, there is something going on in the world, in a country not too far from here, and some of you might actually have friends who are Nepalese, or go to bars where they're Nepalese. I think my guess in Hong Kong is, my experience is two in 10 bars have got Nepalese behind them. They're usually the nicest people. So <coughs> we've got a lady called Zane Williams, who uh, is Hong Kong born, brought up, brought up. So she doesn't like meeting new people. So just don't talk to her. But she's gonna tell us about her charity. And I expect everybody in this room, if you haven't done it already, to give her what she asks for. And I guarantee you, it's not gonna be blankets. All right, over to you, Zane. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Napoleon, for inviting me to speak. Um, thank you, Mathieu, as well, for recommending CWS. Um, I've only got a few minutes, so I'll just say uh, br uh, briefly what we're doing. Well, if you're more interesting, we might ditch Matthias and just talk about charity. That would be great. <laughs> Sorry. Bring <laughs> the money first and then spend it. Um, so CWS, Child Welfare Scheme, has been in Nepal 17 years. Um, and uh, what we do is we fill the gaps of the government. We provide education and health care where the government cannot. And we work hand in hand with the communities and the government. So when the earthquake hit, it was right in the middle of where we work. The epicenter was 20 kilometers away from our communities. So we were able to get out, to shut our programs, get our doctors, our nurses, our teachers, and our aid workers straight out to the villages. Well, what area is that? What's the name of the place? Gorka is where the epicenter is. Uh, Pokhara, Sindhu Balchok, and Kathmandu. They were all affected. Um, but the epicenter was Gorka. Um, and so what we did immediately was we shut our services uh, and we sent our school buses and our ambulances filled with uh, tents, medicine, um, food, uh, water and clothes to these villages. When we unloaded the vehicles, we then put injured bodies onto the vehicles and down to our health centers. And we are primary healthcare providers because the government provide very good tertiary care and operations. So whenever, so we would look after the injured people until the government had a bed available for them. We would send them the injured patients and then post-operative care we would then provide. We shut one of our other uh, health education facilities uh, to house children who've lost their parents in the, uh, in the earthquake. And hopefully they will be reunited uh, with their parents when they find them. So we are not a relief organization. We never started out to do that. We are in Nepal long term. We're about development. We're about helping the government find the gaps in the services that they're providing and train their people uh, to do it better. But we could not ignore the situation. We couldn't say we're not relief, we're not going to do anything because we are the best people to reach these villages because we know the district officers, we know the community, we know the truck drivers, we know the routes, and we know how to get to the people in need. So when finally the government's able to do it and the large organizations get there, we will hand over what we're doing and then focus on the long-term developments again. Rebuilding the 600 schools that are collapsed and the thousands of Is that of the number, homes. 600 schools? 600 in our area alone, yeah. 
So I read this morning it was about 7,000 people have died. Is, is That's it more right. than that? Seven, five, yeah, now. So what can these people do, apart from visit your website? What's the, what's the, web, the URL? Uh, www.cwshk.org. I've got a few leaflets in the back if you'd like to know. Someone very kind, a donor, received our email and sent it out to his friends, and it echoed exactly what we are saying. A bit rude, a bit blunt, but cash is king. We don't want blankets, we don't want tents, we just need cash because so many blankets and tents are sitting at the Kathmandu airport waiting for customs clearance, waiting for people to pay, pay bribes for 14% custom charges and or the mafia inflating prices 10 times to get everything out. We can, we can buy things locally. So not only do you then not deal with the mafia and the custom charges, you are also helping the Nepalese because suddenly 80% of the tourism's already been cancelled. So all the trips in coming up between now and December, they're saying 80% of the hotels have already received cancellations. So if they've got no money from tourism, they need money from us buying blankets from them. We need to buy the tents from them and the clothes from them. We don't need to bring anything in. So can we get a jar? Is there a jar anywhere? Old-fashioned? I, I know we're in a digital world. Do you know? Have you hold got like a nice glass jar or something? Hold I, hold I. Hold I, uh, boy. <laughs> Could you pass it around? I come from a Catholic background. <laughs> and in Catholic backgrounds, you know, it's usually they, they embarrass you into giving money. So maybe you could pan that around and, you know, good old-fashioned. Yeah, you can start, man. You've got, you're an American. You've got lots of money. <laughs> Wrong currency, though. It should be renminbi. <laughs> so you're saying go to cwshk.org. That's right, yeah. Can I ask you one question? How did you get involved in this? Okay, so it was, um, it was a teacher at A-level that did economics, uh, uh, development economics. And it started asking us questions about why the world was first and why the world was third. So I wanted to sort of do a bit more studying into development economics at university. Came back to Hong Kong, looked at all the organizations that I wanted to support uh, that were working in Asia, and I called everyone. And the only person that called me back, Matthew, was Douglas, which is the founder of our charity. And he called me and spent hours talking about everything that he'd done um, since he founded it in the mid-1990s. And he spoke all, everything that, that made sense to me, local people solving local problems, um, sustainable solutions, and basically our exit plan, not staying there forever and letting them get on with it. So then I said, well, this sounds great. He said, well, get on a plane and get out here because you're not going to work with us unless you've seen what we do. So then I went out there for a month and stayed for five months. Then they kicked me out because you can't stay more than five months in one year as a tourist. And then he gave me the daunting task of setting up the Hong Kong fundraising office in 2003, 12 years, 13 years ago. So we're going to talk about money a little bit later. So how much money have you raised for this charity since? So for the emergency relief? No, the whole organization. We raise about 5 million Hong Kong a year. Yeah. Does that mean the jockey club gives you money? They're not allowed to. Why? Because we're, they only support Hong Kong, Hong Kong beneficiaries. So the Nepalese people are not Hong Kong beneficiaries? They're not in Nepal, no. Oh, I Sadly. See. Okay. All right, where's the jar? Has it got some red notes in it? Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming. And oh, she's, you're you. going to stay till later, right? I am. I am. So one other question is, how do you know Matthias? Do you put all your money with him? Well, he... Or does he put all his money with you? Does well, he do he, good? <laughs> he puts all his sweat into Nepal. He hikes the mountains, sees the beauty in the place and the people, and gets all his friends to support us. Excellent. Yeah. So he hasn't run away from any... 
fast-moving pieces no, of snow. No, and he's already planning his trip in November to Nepal. There you go, Matthias. And he's going to bring Hong Kong people there to boost the tourism. Good on you. If anyone would like to do 100 kilometers in Nepal in November, talk to Oh. Who wants to do 100 kilometers in Nepal in November? Come on, put your hand up. Come on. I will. Yeah, okay. Bien <laughs> sûr. I've just wet my pants now. <laughs> the excitement of 100 kilometers. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Round of applause for this Thank lovely you. lady. You know what? We're going to reverse this. So, uh, Matthias, let me see if this is on. Is this on? Yes. So, uh, in Hong Kong, there's a struggle amongst the. Uh, have you got that's beers for you, and that microphone's for you. Eight securities. Got to announce it. So, in Hong Kong, there's a struggle to find our identity as a startup community. Right? Some people call us Silicon Harbor. Some people think we're all about 3D manufacturing. Some people think we're all about retail. Some people think we're all about mobile. Now, you're in a quite a kind of sexy space. I know you're French. It's nothing to do with being French. But in, in the, this whole fintech, to you, you've worked in, uh, my understanding is you, you helped set up E-Trade originally. So maybe you can give us a little bit of background because I want to understand why you think Hong Kong is a good place to do what you're doing. Sure. So should we start with that? You start wherever yeah. you want. Yeah. Okay, so I, uh, I got into Hong Kong in 97. I was partner in a small brokerage firm, classic, traditional discount brokerage firm. And uh, E-Trade, that was at the time still you know, a startup in the Silicon Valley wanting to expand internationally, bought us in 1999. And asked me and you know, my team here in Hong Kong to build E-Trade in Asia and then... So you were a startup in 99. Yes. You got sold to oh, E-Trade. Were you a clone? Were you like, you know... You buy, I buy, who sold to Groupon? Were you, were you like, I'm going to get on the radar so E-Trade can buy me? No, I mean, you know, it was unexpected. They came to us, you know, we were doing traditional brokerage, but they wanted more international expertise, so they bought our team, okay. they bought our business, and asked us randomly to, you know, suddenly start E-Trade in Hong Kong, and nobody had heard about online brokerage, certainly not me. Uh, was was uh, Boom around at the time? Yes. I remember boom in the dot-com boom days, there was somebody called Boom. Exactly, and they're still here. They're still uh, here. And so uh, what was the other one? Quant, quad, quad, Chuam. Really hard to pronounce. Qu is it Quam or, or Chuamnet? Quamnet. Any, yeah, so any Quamnet investors here? Anybody got their money in Quam? All right. Anybody got their money in Boom? I have. God, you're all, yeah, too young. They're all too young. Yeah, right. All right. So at the time, it was really exciting. It's very, very rare that you can actually say you're in a disruptive business. You know, this word is widely used, and sometimes people use disruptive technology just to talk about something that goes faster or cheaper. But at the time, that promised that every retail investor would have the same tools and an institution was amazing. Suddenly, you could trade U.S. equities from, you know, from your bedroom. You're talking about 99, right? 99, 2000, when online brokerage picked up. It was so new, so innovative. It made such a difference. Today, 70% of the retail trades in Hong Kong are done online. So are you serious? 70%? Yes. So all those little old grannies you see in those little 
poem and all those places. Uh, Still do it online. Yeah, something online. absolutely, because it's cheaper. How much of that is mobile? A big, big chunk in Hong Kong and even more in China. Big, you big chunk of that uh, is... Like is 50%? Uh, more, I would say. More. You know, more, like 70, 80% now. Absolutely. And then, you know, so we, I did that for 10 years. Set at E-Trade, built the business internationally, and then decided to start again uh, with my co-founder, Mikhail. That's a long earnout, 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. Usually it's three years. But it was, no, no, that was like, you know, 99 to 2009. And it was super exciting again, you know, to start that online brokerage in India, in Sweden, in So Canada. you were like the Groupon. You were like the um, Uber. Yeah. Like how exciting it is to work with Uber now. You were, you were doing it with E-Trade, right? Exactly, exactly. And you know, we decided to launch 8 Securities in 2011, again online brokerage. Why did you call it 8? Isn't that a kind of strange number? Ask any Chinese person. You'll <laughs> get the answer. I'm teasing yeah. you. <laughs> French sense of humor. I can't <laughs> believe we, we Can got you call the it name 9? Why not 9? 9 Securities. That's one too much. Neuf. That's one too I've much. had a 9. No? <laughs> yeah, certainly not. <laughs> you haven't started yet. <laughs> so, so, okay, so you started 9, uh, sorry, 8 Securities. Yeah. In when? In 2000, and we launched in 2012. Yeah, so you no. saw all the mistakes E-Trade had made and you go, right, I'm going to do this better? Exactly. What was your motivation? Well, you know, it was that. It was to, you know, do something more social, more interesting. As you say, learn from all the mistakes that were made by us and many others for 10 years and start from scratch again. Late in the game, but uh, with new technology, with that promise of... Uh, what, do, what do you mean new technology? There's a few... Who's, who's a technology person in the room? All right, so, oh, oh, quite wow. a lot, actually. So be what, what do you mean by new technology? What, what, I, I know you're not a tech guy, but no, what, what were you doing that was different from E-Trade? Again, you know, E-Trade, like, you know, all those other firms, you know, all our competitors here, boom, and, you know, all the others have built their technology 15 years ago and, you know, have a lot of legacy. I mean, it was great to be able to start from a clean sheet, be the first broker in Asia to operate in the cloud, for example. So, you know, operate at probably 20% of the cost who would have operated at E-Trade just but because... But finance people are allowed to operate in the cloud? Yes. Isn't it dodgy well, to be in the cloud if you're financial? Why? Why dodgy? No, it's great. It's like... This is all Sarbanes-Oxley and all these ridiculous regulations. Well, not here anyway, but that's all good. It's like electricity. You just use the servers when you need them. You know, you plug... So which cloud are you using? There's a few... There's an Oracle gang. Where's the Oracle? There. Ted, formerly known as Manly, Oracle. Oh. Anybody from Amazon? We use AWS. No, they're arrogant. They moved to Singapore. Oh, bad, bad, bad. They made a bad mistake. Bad, bad, bad. Yeah, yeah they moved to Singapore. It's going to cost them. Intel's here, though. Yeah. Former Intel. <laughs> Great. Okay, one quick uh, segue. Who in here is in fintech? Put your hand up. One, two, three. What? Okay, what does fintech mean? Is it something... Literally? Yeah. With financial technology? I'm asking a stupid question yeah, so yeah, you can yeah. explain it to people who don't know answer. what it means. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but I can... But it's got a know, really good hashtag. I sense that it attracts It's a got a really good hashtag. If you go on Twitter now, or when I did before coming to see you, there's FinTech HK, FinTech Europe. I think we're going to set up a battle between FinTech HK and FinTech Singapore. Okay. But there's going to be a hash war. Interesting. Right. Okay. So we'll start it now, okay, if any good. of you are on Twitter. Good. So you started the tech, what made the technology, because I, I came, I was actually a customer of yours, and I came, what I really liked was, you had gone, okay, um, let's introduce an interface where people can actually invest, but also talk to other people whilst they're investing, which I think is kind of like the old stock, you know, stockbroking started in coffee shops, right? 
exactly wearing wigs and tight trousers. So, <coughs> and I why did you go back to wigs and <laughs> tight trousers? No, why did you go back to the the social element? I feel bad because actually, you know, we launched with that promise, and we have, you know, that was like three years ago, and it's only being launched now because, you know, we've been doing many. That's all right. You now. just call it beta. That's the, what the Americans yes, exactly. call it. Exactly. We're in beta for the last three years, six months. But the reality is, you know, that as you say. Traders like to talk, like to exchange ideas. And where do you do it? You know, you do it in coffee shops, you do it here, or you do it online on many sites, but it's declarative. So you can go and say, you know, I bought Apple at 20 and sold at 400, I'm a genius. And maybe it's true, maybe it's not. You know, maybe it's a 10 year old saying that. Maybe you never bought Apple, whatever, declarative. You can say what you want. The information is more interesting if it's validated. So what we're doing is creating a circle of, you know, of members that are all traders. And the difference is that all the information is real, which means that if you are part of the community, on an anonymous basis, you have an avatar, a nickname, but all your trades are posted real time. So it's not what you say, it's what you do. Your, your trades are actually shared with the so community. So you're aggregating the trades. So yeah, and if you follow, you know, if you follow the best trader on, you know, on Apple, you know it's, it's based on reality and not what he says. That's interesting. So you ditched the kind of chat element. Yeah. Well, the chat is still there, but it's validated by reality, if, if, you, if you see what I mean. So it's not just people trying to push up a stock, it's people exactly. actually trading. Exactly. Correct. So A Securities you launched here. Yes. But how quickly did you go from here to Japan? Six months later, we had an opportunity to enter Japan. Not easy especially for a Chinese firm. But you know, if you have a chance to do it, it's a much larger market. You know, it's 15 times wider in terms of accounts. So, and you know, it's not super developed for foreign trading. So all we do is offering US and Hong Kong trading to Japanese investors. And we have about 20,000 customers now. So you went in and said, here you can trade in Hong Kong. Exactly. So are your customers Chinese people living in Japan? No, 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 mostly Japanese. 99 mostly Japanese. are Japanese, yeah. And they, like, they happen to like Hong Kong market. Okay, so you, you launch uh, you know, a, a stock trading platform. There's a little bit of kind of fancy stuff. You've got yeah. widgets on your website. Exactly. You can, design your, you, know, you can design your trading platform the way you want, just like apps. So, you know, as you say, widgets. It was like iGoogle. Do you, does anybody remember iGoogle? Where you had these little icons that you could move around. You must remember that. <laughs> Right, so you, you had an interface you could move around. Exactly. Why did it take you so long to go mobile? Because we had so many other priorities, and especially the one I want to discuss, I guess we're going to talk about yeah. tonight, which is that robo-investing. But yes, to your point, you know, we, it took us some time. We're launching our mobile app now, together with the, the social app. You're doing a mobile app, not a website. Exactly. So how many clients do you have in Hong Kong? In total, we have 50,000 customers and about 20,000 active. Okay. Between Japan and, and they're, they're, they're giving you lots of money? A little bit of money? Never enough. <laughs> Never enough. <laughs> Never enough. So but yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, in the last few weeks, months, the volumes have been incredible. All right. And I, I've been, you know, I have a little bit of spare cash, not a lot, but I've traded a little bit. And um, I came across something called SIGFIG, an American kind of pig. The icon was a pig originally, which I thought was quite funny for investing. And then um, they've also introduced this idea of an automatic portfolio. So I, I saw the, you know, before seeing you, I, I did a little bit of research. I saw that Schwab, Charles Schwab, uh, what's the other guy's, Vauxhall or something, Vaughan? So in the States, a lot of these um, e-traders have launched robo-advisors, and they're seeing huge amounts of money coming in from 
a younger demographic. So it's yeah. not the 45-year-olds plus, it's the 25 to 45-year-olds who are more comfortable trading through mobile, through kind of automated portfolios. Tell us what this whole, is robo-advisor a, a buzzword or is it true? Is there really some very clever algorithm behind it or is it, is it just you buying a portfolio through a website? I think you know, the word robo-advisor has probably been invented by journalists and now it's widely, you know, it's widely spoken. But where it gets really interesting is you know, how many people here buy stocks directly? How many of you buy stocks directly? Well, Did you notice none of the people who put their hands up were the people who were tech guys? Yeah, there right. There's, they a, say <laughs> there's a disconnect in Hong Kong. This is why we need to push the startup community more. On average, about 5%, it's more here, but on average, about 5% of the population buys stocks directly. And, you know, it's something that you do if you are really interested in the stock markets, if you're going to spend time following your stocks, if you read a lot, if you read research, if you're passionate about it. If you are not, if you just listen to a tip, it's very likely that you're going to lose your money. Markets are complex. They are not easy. And, you know, I'm... Well but in Hong Kong, it's fantastic because people don't know the names of the, of the companies. True, they, they just go, whoa, Lego, ta, pa, pa, you Maya. Exactly. You know, you're like, what the fuck? What, who's behind that? <laughs> and, so, and they have been doing quite well for the last months. But so do you have a, a platform that just does it by numbers? We do. We do, absolutely. Right. <laughs> but my story is, so about 5% of the population buys stocks directly. But there is a problem that we all share. It's very simple, and that's why I believe robo-investing is going to be a big, big revolution, much bigger than online trading 15 years ago. We all have a problem with what do we do with our cash. Once we've earned it, what do we do with it? You can buy a flat if you, know, you have the money. or you know, it's No, it's simple. You buy a flat, yeah. you invest in a startup, yes. or you uh, give to Nepal. Right. You give or you get married. Definitely. Uh, or you have children, which like, is a very easy way to get rid of cash. Yes. But you know, why is to do all of that and at the same time save a little bit? And the savings is an issue for all of us. And that's where robo-investing can be a great solution. Today, in Hong Kong, you, know, you can put your money in savings accounts. That's what most people do. I think it has been invented by the banks just to charge you interest because you forget to put it back to your current account. But as you know, it doesn't bring you anything. So you lose 5% a year to start with. Wait, 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 explain the maths. I put 100,000 into my savings account. Yes. Did you get $10 out of it last year? No. Interest less? Yeah, I don't know. So, no. I, do, I mean, they charged me for the, the, the privilege of putting money in. Exactly. Okay. Inflation was 4.5% last okay. year. You know. So, I lost So, if it, you yeah. don't do anything, you have lost 4.5%. And now there's this big thing called the markets. Some of you, you know, the guys that you know, buy stocks directly play the market. But for the vast majority of us, it's complex, it's difficult, you don't know where to start. There is one rule, you know, there are many rules, but there is one that is really important. You want to be diversified. If you're going to be in the markets, you want to be diversified. Because when shit happens, if you're concentrated in one stock or one country, you're going to take the big hit. If you are diversified, stock, bonds, you know, asset class, etc., countries, you're going to do... You know, if things go bad, you're going to do bad. But, but that sounds bad. really complicated. I'm not exactly. surprised only 5% of the community invests. I think the investment community has made it really complex on purpose. Of course. So they can charge ridiculous, ridiculous fees. Because actually, when you go in and you learn about it, it's not that complex. They just make it sound really complicated. Well, you know, it, I believe it's complex to own 
and manage a global portfolio. Yes. And until today in Hong Kong, you're particularly poorly served. If you have more than a million US, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, otherwise Zane is going to run on you. But if you have more than a million US, you can go to a private bank. With a million US, they're not going to treat you with a lot of respect. But at least you, know, you, you have a chance to access to a, a global portfolio. If you have less, you can go to your bank. I'm not going to name the bank, you know, but there are a few. But you know, most of us, I guess, are using the same one. And you ask for a global portfolio. Before you know it, you're going to pay 10% fees. You know, 5% entry fee, 1% Okay, so your fees. premise is come to us and it won't cost you as much, right? If you pay 10% fee a year, you cannot make money on the long so term. So I still don't understand how does a robo, how does it work? So you're eight now, is the name of your yes. product, right? How does it work? Am I, am I actually, is there an algorithm or something that's going, right, oh, Twitter's talking about that, buy that. Um, you know, the Bloomberg's talking about that, dump that. I mean, is it is it clever? Or is it is there a still a human being saying, actually, no, you know, my bonus is... It's, it's much easier. And, you know, when we talk about algorithm, reality is asset management has been super good as ring-fencing their business for those last 15 years from technology. Technology has not touched that industry. And this is why the retail customers still get ripped off massively. Just like when you were buying one stock for $100 commission 15 years ago. So now imagine what technology does for you. It's very simple. You, you know, we assess your needs. So you answer eight very simple questions about your time horizon. You don't need to be a market specialist. Just I was actually quite surprised how easy those questions are. I thought it'd be like a dating website, right? So Pretty half much. an hour later, like eHarmony, like he eHarmony, <laughs> right? You know, by the end of it, it goes, you know, dirty old bastard, yeah. fuck off, <laughs> or whatever. So why is it so easy? How come you can just ask like, you know, how many questions? Eight? Eight questions. Again, you know, all about your time horizon. And, and in eight questions, you can define that person's profile enough to decide where they should invest? So with those eight questions, we know enough to present them with a portfolio that is going to answer their needs. You know. Okay. And so that's automatic. That's generated by a computer. So A-Securities is a broker, and we've partnered with Morningstar, which is a U.S. firm that has 30 years' experience in managing funds, in building funds, etc. And what we do is we use a product called ETF. So I, I don't know if you're all familiar with... Exchange-traded fund. An exchange-traded fund. Homework. For what does those, that mean? What's an so exchange-traded fund? Today you can buy a stock, but if you want to diversify your risk, you can buy a little basket of stock. So, for example, if you don't want to buy Apple, you know, you want to buy Apple, but maybe you want to diversify and buy 10 companies around Apple. You can buy an ETF that is like a little basket of stocks that does that. ETFs trades like a stock in the stock market. You can, for the ones who are liquid, you can buy and sell them like you buy and sell a stock. Okay, Super so your, your questionnaire says, right, here's your profile. Yes. And here's the ETFs we think you should buy. No, too complicated. So, you know, that's too much. You know, we're okay. not going to recommend you to buy an ETF or buy a stock. We're going to say, with that risk profile, here's a portfolio that Morningstar has designed for you. You can buy this portfolio. The entry point is as low as 8,000 Hong Kong dollars. So that's the minimum to buy a global portfolio. So this is where you open up that great quote on Bloomberg saying... You're yes. making the ultra-rich, well, the same information. What's the quote? Exactly. Just like 15 years ago, what E-Trade did was offering the same tools that an institution has to any retail customer. 
You could okay. you had exactly So you're democratizing the opportunity to invest. And today is you know offering everybody starting at 1000 US dollars a portfolio that is as good as the one you would be shown by a private bank. Again, for $1,000, you get complete diversification. You're going to get 300 underlying stocks through those ETFs. You're going to get bonds. You're going to get geographical diversification. You're going to get product diversification. The whole lot. You can monitor it on your cell phone. We have an app on the App Store. You, you, you download Is the app it. called 8Now or 8 Securities? Both. So Both. it's easy. You can find it. Okay. And then the other very important point is freedom. Because your priorities change, because... You don't want to be locked for 10 years or 20 years or, or even six months. You can get in and out of the portfolio every day at no cost. It's free. So you're not locked in anything. The only charge... So I can, on my mobile phone, on the way to work, I can go, don't like that, flip. Exactly. It's you that easy. It's that easy. I don't have to do a recording or go and see my bank manager or... No, 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 no nothing no. like that. If you want, you can speak to an individual. You know, we have customer service, so you can speak to a human person. The robo-trading comes from the fact that the ones who build the portfolios use algorithms to build those portfolios and rebalance them regularly. Rebalance them means economic condition change. So, you know, the, the Morningstar might decide to swap one ETF for another and all of that. You don't have to worry about that. It's done for free. You don't get charged. So the robo part of it is in the tr is actually not the consumer side. No, you don't. It's the people behind the scenes who are building buying and portfolios. selling, building the portfolio, buying the portfolio, uh, building the portfolio. Sorry, and rebalancing them. So the robo side of your business is actually done by Morningstar. Yes, ab is that absolutely, right? absolutely. And how do you think this is going to take off in Hong Kong? How is it taking off? You've been, you know, you're on RTHK, Bloomberg. You're well, all over the place. Like anything new, you know, what it takes is what we're doing tonight. You know, meeting people, explaining them face to face. Take the time to explain them what it is. But that phase is not going to last very long. We're the first one today to offer it in Asia, but in the U.S. and in Europe, you know, there is one new robo advisor opening every week. It's really picking up big time. Schwab launched his robo advisor service a month ago. They were already managing more than a billion U.S. dollars in a month. So. That trend is here to stay. It's so why hasn't Jack Ma launched? Uh, he, I mean, Jack Ma with Alibaba, right? He yeah. launched, uh, you know, put your time deposits with us. We'll give you 5% return or whatever. Yes. Do you think Jack Ma is going to be the next one to do? Uh, I don't know. I think, again, you know, this concept of, you know, portfolio, global portfolio might take, you know, a little bit, a little bit longer in China, but certainly here. And when you look at, you know, again, the alternative, which is what you do with your money, you have two solutions. You know, you can close your eyes and say, I'll take care of that later on. I just leave it on my savings account, but you lose 5%. Or you can tackle the issue. But if you want to tackle the issue, believe me, it's not that simple. And it's expensive. So, you know, how is it going to pick up? I believe, you know, this is going to change the face of the wealth management So let's, let's come back to Hong Kong here. I like your dream, but let's come back to Hong Kong. Why Hong Kong? Why didn't you go and set up, you know, eight securities in uh, Marseille or, or in Singapore? Because I'm in Hong Kong, first of all. You know, our company is born here. Uh, so, you know, we've developed that product for Hong Kong. It's in English, simplified and traditional Chinese. We're launching in Japan next week. Those are the two markets where we have a direct presence. And we're looking at... Is it, could you be available in China? Can you... S can you officially promote what you do in China, or is, or is it kind of got to be a bit secretive? We can educate the market, and then you know, we can indicate 
that you know. So let's go a bit available. into the marketing field because in this room there's a couple of marketing people. Is how do you recruit people to use your service? I mean, apart from talking to them directly, are you active on you know social media search? What is the most effective way for you to get somebody to come and sign up? I mean, the, the challenge with you is they actually have to come physically and sign up, right? Well, it's not, not like they're downloading an app. Well, you, no, you can, you, know, you, can open a, you have to open a brokerage account and you can just mail us the application. But yeah, we need what's called a wet signature. So whether you come to the office or we send somebody to your office or you send us the paperwork via, via post. But yes, you need to open that brokerage account. And once you do that, it's very simple. Then you just transfer money and... Uh, so what's your funds? most effective way of recruiting people? So far, I mean, you know, we've launched, you know, we have officially launched in Hong Kong last week. So that's eight now, very, very but you've eight had now. eight securities for well, a while. Well, eight securities is an online brokerage. Everybody understands, so that's, that's super easy. We, we mostly advertise online. And, uh, you know, sadly, it's a mature business. So the most effective way to bring new, get new customers is through promotions. But this one, eight now, is going to be through education. You know, it's gonna take it's gonna take a year before. So, what what are people scared of when they, when you say I have a robo advisory? Are they scared? What what are they scared of? Where's the fear? I, your voice, the way you say it, is quite scary. Yeah. But no. robo advisory. <laughs> I, I, I Give me your money. Yeah, I have exactly. a robo advisory. Here, With a French gonna, accent, it sounds even I'm gonna worse. disappear. No. J'ai un robo advisory. <laughs> sounds like something yeah, else. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm curious because, you know, and there's lots of regulations around the finance world. This is the thing that, that I find interesting about this kind of idea of fintech. I mean, we've got Pete here who's well, well, a nest. This gentleman has left Intel, the comforts of Intel, to join one of Hong Kong's, you know, most active accelerator programs. They're doing stuff with DBS, AIA, all these guys. So they're saying, right, we're going to get into this, you know, fintech is what Hong Kong's all about. Yeah. So... Do you think Hong Kong's, you know, if we're going to go in, in the kind of startup world, is Hong Kong all about fintech? Is this the right place to do a financial technology play? I mean, you're in, you went to Japan within six weeks, so obviously that means no. When I left E-Trade, I was, I was overseeing 15 countries, and my choice was Hong Kong. Not because it's the biggest market, but because I, I believe that by far... You know, it's it's a market where you know you can you can start and build a business very efi very efficiently, and also on a less positive note, maybe where you know certainly in our sector, we haven't seen a lot of innovation. So you know, if you come with something new, you're not you're not killed immediately by competition. As I said, you know, this robo investing is going to change the face of an industry. Maybe it won't be eight now. I hope you know we're going to continue to lead through innovation. But I guarantee you that in one year, you know, all the banks are looking at it now. You know, you're going to have many more players. Hong Kong is a great place to start a business for that as well. You know, I mean, you, you know, it needs an element of conviction, but also the fact that it's a city state is incredibly, you know, incredibly powerful for a startup. So, you know, like if we were in New York, uh, having a group like that, you know, the information would be. Very, very disseminated. So let, let's talk about money. I want to talk about money again. You, you've raised 17 million US, is that right? 22 today, 22 and a half. 22? Yeah. That's quite a big number for a Hong Kong startup, right? Normally it's like one, two, five, six, even Nest, you know, doesn't do that much. Sorry, Simon. <coughs> so how did you raise so much money for a startup? I know you're a charming Frenchman, but still. Nothing else. <laughs> 
Nothing. No other reason. <laughs> All right, fine. So, advice to any startup: hire a charmant. It's there are twenty five thousand of us in Hong Kong today, so not difficult so to find. There are, and, and half of those are looking for jobs. I hope not, because yeah, because uh, you know your governor or whatever he's called, president, can't give them any. Oh yeah, yeah, but the ones who are here, you know, no, I joking, think they will have joking. jobs. Relax, relax. Oh, I know. So I hope for them. So how do you? Why do you need so much money? And how did you raise so much? You're in two markets. Why? Seventeen. What do you do with seventeen million dollars? That's a lot of money. Twenty-two. Sorry. Twenty-two. Yeah, I know, I, but you haven't spent well, it all yet. We haven't spent them all exactly. What and do you do with so much money? You know, you regulated business first of all. You know, in two countries, you know. Use money, you know, you need regulatory capital, and then, you know, you need... What money. does that mean? You pay expensive lawyers? What, no, no, regulatory no. capital, is that like a, another way of no, saying no. I have it's an expensive what, lawyer? It's what the government wants you to have in cash to oh. be able to operate. So you need to have that money broker. in cash? Yes, okay. exactly. Okay. And, you know, that money is calculated on basically the, you know, the percentage of the business you do. So the more business you do, the more cash you need to have. So... If they were, if they were still there, yes, the answer would be yes. Yeah. Do uh, you do you practice what you preach? I do myself. You know. Are I, you allowed yeah. to? And yeah, of course. I'm going to share something with you. You know, I've been in the brokerage business with E-Trade since 2000, 2000. I promise you, I've never ever tried to recruit a friend or a member of my family to open a brokerage account. If they want to do so, they can. But you know. Will I push them to do so? Maybe. Not. But that one, everybody. I want everybody to look at it, everybody to understand how good it is. Everybody to... Why? What's the difference? Well, you know, again, leave your money in your savings account and, you know, make your money work for your bank, but not for yourself. You know, the possibility to own a, you know, a diversified portfolio and that freedom and, you know, the All right, wait, wait, wait. Let's go back I, to I the mean, money. So, so what are you going to do with the 22 million? Are you going to open like other markets? I mean, with E-Trade, you did a great job, right? You ended yeah. up, you ended up in how many markets? Fifteen, fifteen markets. Right. So you came states. here. There was no markets. You went to fifteen. Good on you. But what are you going to do with eight securities? The same. You know, I think we want to look at geographical expansion. We want, you know, we need to educate the market because it's completely new and that's expensive. It means, you know, doing advertising. It means the cost to acquire customers is going to be much higher at the beginning because... And do you, you have know, competitors in, in, like, in India, in Indonesia, in Singapore? Are, are there many people doing what you're doing? No, no competitors today in Asia. But it's funny, you know, like, at 8 Securities, we run a brokerage business. Nobody approaches us. You know, we have to go and look for retail customers. In the last two months where we've been vocal about you know, that robo-advisor, you know, everybody's coming, to, everybody wants to talk to us, understand what it is, how it works, how they can do it themselves, whether it's banks, brokers, in Malaysia, in Singapore, in Indonesia, here in Hong Kong. You know, this, this thing is really going to pick up, and I think everybody's intrigued by it. And it's funny, two months ago, only two months ago, you didn't hear much about it in Hong Kong. Yeah. So it has really picked up very recently. Whereas, like crowd lending, I had the guys from WeLend speak here yeah. once. A year and a half ago, the idea of crowd lending was, you know, Social lending was very hot. Yeah. They raised 20 million. I think they raised 25, so they, they beat you. Lee Kai Singh. For now. Lee Kai Singh got now. in there. Yeah. Simon Squibb wasn't in there. Good, good, good. <coughs> so, okay, global dominance. Where does it go? Hong no, Kong, no. Japan, next? You know, Asia. You know, Asia, there is so much to do in Asia. And, and once again, you know, it's, it's incredible. You know, Hong Kong is such a sophisticated place. But in that field, the customer is so poorly served. 
Again, why? Because there is a lack of competition. There is a lack of stimulation for the big players to you know, do it better and cheaper. So I have a, a question. There's a lot of data out there, right? There's a lot of people talking on social media. There's a lot of people you know, buying and selling stuff. There's a lot of people. Are, are you not across a lot of this data? I mean, when you, is it, you know, okay, I understand the robo-advisor, which is, to me sounds like marketing, but the... The, the, the name of the, of the product the name itself. sounds like marketing. Yeah, 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 I agree, I agree. The, um, is it not an opportunity for you to do something in the big data field? Is that, uh, there's a lot of talk in many, many industries, marketing, retail, medicine. Is, is the finance world, I mean, you, you, you hear and you read about, you know, here's a new startup that is tapping into what people say on Twitter and they're doing algorithmic trading based on what people say on Twitter, on the trends. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Here's somebody who's doing quant, I don't, I don't understand what that is, but w what is quant trading? Quantitative, opposite to qualitative. But you know, yes, we use a company called Splunk. Yeah, you know, that, Splunk. That, you know, Splunk is a big data aggregator. So from that social trading, you know, there is a lot of data that we can aggregate, put together, and give back to customers in order for them to get trading ideas. But again, you know, this is, this is super interesting, but that's for 5% of the population. Robo-advisor, everybody. Oh, I see. So you're you saying, see? as a business, I don't want to go for the 5%. I want to go for the 30 I want to go for both. But I think, you know, when I talk to an audience of people where only, you know, maybe 10 people here actively trade stocks, they all, you know, we all have an issue with, with our savings. MPF. Uh, Can you, like, do something about the MPF? Robo the MPF. You Robo know, MPF. There you go. There's a brand. Um, Get that website now. What I don't like about the MPF is that you know you can only get it when you retire. So if you're you know if if anything happens, you don't have access to that. This is like MPF, except that you know it's yours. It's transportable. You know you have that freedom to get in and out. Wait, uh, wait, wait. Go back to the data. How are you using the data? Are you using data? You're saying you don't think it's valuable because only five percent really. No, care no, about it's it. super valuable for the people who buy buy stocks. Absolutely. You know, like so why don't you do like Seeking Alpha? So there's a very good service I use called Seeking Alpha. And it's great because it's, it's the commentary and the, it's actually not bad. But they're sucking up, you know, commentary from yes, absolutely. You know, absolutely. professional advisors and people like that and a lot of rubbish too. But, you know, you're, you can, if you're an amateur, you read this and they go, oh, this is happening and here's my reason. Absolutely. absolutely. So can't you, the, considering you've got such a captive audience, 50,000 users, what are you doing to kind of feed them content? Is it not about content or you don't really, how do you keep them there? Because with your service, I find I go in, three months later I go in, you know, forget, a, forget about it. Absolutely. You know, I'm too busy, go in six months, you send me a statement, I go, oh shit, I'll be going to check it. Right? Exactly. Well, so that's the beauty of that social trading element, right? And that's where the aggregation of data takes place. Are you interested to know, you know, who, you know, who are the top, you know, ten buyers of of Apple? If you follow Apple in the last months, how much have they made? You know, what is their relative performance? Do you want a notification on your cell phone when you know one of the traders you f you follow is doing so is buying or selling Apple? All those things are taking place, and you're right. So you have those now on your website. You have those services you just described are there in beta. In you beta. can be part of the beta. <laughs> you can be part of the beta. Should okay. be launched next month. Seriously, should be launched next month. That's our social trading platform. So you're bringing in, you know, influencers into the into the platform. Absolutely, to make it more lively. And we also, you know, we have a partner in the U.S. called 
uh, Trade King, that's you know the fifth largest broker. We publish all their trades real time. So yeah. you have about twenty thousand US trades, you know, that go into the system. So what's going to happen day. in the future? Is it, is this an industry in Hong Kong? Is fintech going to be disruptive, or is it kind of inclusive? You know, they're doing, you know, he's masterminding DBS. To me, that's not disruptive. That's inclusive. He's got a big bank who is saying, "Mate, I need to know what's going on in this industry, and I want to work with you." That's a good thing, but it's not disruptive. So uh, do you see you know, fintech changing the way that we think about and use our money? Or is it very step-by-step you know, -step inclusive? I think it's not step-by-step. -step. It's like you know, some, suddenly you have a big change, and then you have a big period where you know, people follow, everybody you know, buy into it. But it's not regular. And so again, you know, in our industry, this online brokerage stuff you know, was big. It took a few years. And then now you know it's 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 an old story. Everybody everybody provides online. Now, as I said, you know there, there are not that many sectors that haven't been yet disrupted by technology. Everywhere you know you talk about technology travel. You were talking about Uber, obviously. That's a, that's quite a recent one. But asset management, you know, that's the cash cow. You know, that's the one that the banks have managed to protect so well for so long. And as you say, make products that appear very complex to, complex to justify very, very, very heavy fees. No. All right, wait, wait, wait. All right, you want to go? No. Ted has got a question. Come here, mate. Come here, come here. Come here, question. No, no, no. So I... I, I heckled. Yeah, it's only the nicest of heckling. So uh, of the... Uh, $22 million that you raised, I, I have two questions. Um, the, the first one is, how much of it did you spend for that painting of yourself on the wall? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, oh, this yeah. That was the, that was the big, the big was expense. That was a big portion of it. Expense. And has that been an effective part of your overall marketing <laughs> strategy? Has that driven a lot of new customers for you? Because I was curious whether that was Let, Let's see if it works tonight. Let's see if it works tonight. Yeah. What are you doing there? You're making a spaghetti. <laughs> yes, exactly. Looks like it. This is called robo trading. <laughs> All right, uh, good segue. So let's take some questions from the floor. And I expect one from you, Master. So here we go. <laughs> I, I love the idea of um, robo trading. Um, maybe for those of us who aren't uh, direct investors, you can, you can explain what a, um, a high return would be a medium return would be and a low return would be because that's what we get sold every day by financial advisors and um so if 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 this type of return is 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 going to be better then how much how how much safer is our money in robo training versus being in the bank so two questions yeah so questions you know, thanks peter the question on returns is tricky because the returns have been amazing in the last five years because markets were good. You know, all markets were good. So our funds, on average, have done more than 40% return in the last five years, 25 I see 25% in the last three years. But as we all say, you know, like previous performance, don't say it, don't tell what, what's going to happen in the future. But what is what I truly believe is that diversification is a good, you know, is a good net if bad things happen. Having 40% of your portfolio in U.S. Treasury bonds, you're going to be less affected by the crash of the stock market than you know if you only own Alibaba and Apple. So that's you know that's that's for for that 
that one. Uh, and again, the way it works, you know, is if the answer to your questions is very aggressive, you know, if, if you really privilege uh, return versus safety, the big difference is that your portfolio is going to be more, um, more geared towards equity versus bonds. Well, if you are more conservative or if you have a very short-term horizon, we're gonna, you know, you're, gonna have, you're gonna own more bonds than equities. As simple as that. And what was the second question? So the second question was, how does it, why would somebody feel secure about putting their money in you know, eight securities as opposed to going to HSBC or Citibank and having you know, some relatively well-educated person try to sell you a portfolio? I would challenge the relatively well-educated. I've been <laughs> tried myself. But to answer your question, uh, we're a regulated brokerage business in Hong Kong, which means that, like everybody, every other broker, we don't hold cash. The cash of our customers is held uh, you know, with one of the four major banks here in a segregated account. And we don't hold stocks. The stocks are with the custodians. So that's the way Hong Kong works. So, so nobody can run away with you, your money. You know what happens if you get bust, like you apart know, apart from Lehman's, they can run away with your money, right? Well, you know the problem with Lehman's or you know the FXCM, you know the brokers that that you know operate on the forex market and got bust recently is that they leverage, you know, the the money of their clients ten times, hundred times. So you know people think that you know if they put ten dollars. They cannot lose more than ten dollars, and suddenly they are asked to you know, give a thousand because their investment has not performed. At Eight Securities, we don't do margin trading, so you know we don't run. So that risk. explain this to me. There's some really intelligent people who are fantastic mathematicians. I'll try and say that again, mathematicians, and they have built algorithms which basically trade for them whilst they're asleep. So why can't you make that mass? I'm not smart enough. You know, I'd like <laughs> to do what I understand. You've got $22 million. Buy yeah. one of them. Maybe that's why. Uh, no, 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 no. I want to keep them. <laughs> I want to keep the 22. <laughs> no, but to your point, you know, our product is not for super sophisticated investors. They can go to an uh, interactive broker, for example, that does that super well. You know, our product, especially the, you know, the robo-advising products, for people who are not interested in the markets. They don't want to follow it. They don't want to, you know... They don't want to understand it. They just want to, you know, have something that fits their needs. I believe have the freedom to go in and out, and 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 know that you know it's better to have no, it. No, you there. have a point there because in Hong Kong you've seen the uh, insurance firms and everybody sell stuff to people. So I, I still want to know: Do you think Hong Kong could become a fintech center? Could we? I mean, our global reputation. Do you think the world would look at us and go, "Damn, that place, my God." That place, Hong Kong, is the center of innovation for financial technology. Putting your business aside. Yeah, well, clearly, you know, it's not the case today. You know, in, in the, the, you know the, the most innovative companies, you know, are born in the Silicon Valley, still, you know, in the U.S., in Europe. But I think there is for everything. The moment, there the is moment. there is everything in Hong Kong to to make it happen. Absolutely everything. This place is amazing, not only in fintech, but to start a business. So easy. You know, you you're so encouraged. I come from France. You know, I mean, it's starting a business in France is, you know, like like becoming a priest. You know, saying you're Catholic. You know, it's like <laughs> forget about profit. I thought that was quite profitable. You're, you're working for the uh, community. Catholics are quite profitable. And, and so, we want any questions from the floor? We'll take a couple of questions. Any, any more? Dom, uh, can we? Yeah, Dom, and then the lady with a hand up. I can't see the lights are so bright. So the. 
the term fintech here is confusing. You're no more, so somebody does the survey, you give them a risk profile, and then you give them a portfolio. There's nothing technologically sophisticated about that. If they go to a broker, they would take a similar survey and they would get the same profile. Are you proactively recommending a change in their portfolio daily, monthly, weekly, or do they stay with what you recommend? Absolutely not. No recommendation. Again, you know, we once the person has bought the portfolio, the portfolio gets automatically rebalanced. Doesn't have to worry about it. You know, he's not he doesn't have to make arbitrage, you know, or you know, something changed in the world. I need to have more bonds or less stocks, or I need to get out of this EDF to go to another one. No. You know, it's it's very simple. The product is very simple, easy to understand, easy to monitor. And you know, I disagree. I think it's you know it's a fintech product because it's the technology that allows you to monitor your portfolio on your on your on your phone. It's the technology that allows to uh, short circuit the process and and basically you know cut the commission by you know half or or more and pass on the benefit to the customer. It's really the technology that allows to do that. It's the technology around the visibility of seeing what you've got rather than the investing itself. Well, not only, you know, also the technology that is used to build and monitor the portfolio. The lady with the arm, can you come up? I don't think the cable's, oh, yes it is. How do the sales charges compare to say buying a stock online or buying a fund, you know, through like fund supermarket? So, you know, buying a stock online, which, you know, we also provide, and you know you can buy all the ETFs that are in the funds on you know on the brokerage side, and then we charge a flat fee of eight US dollars per trade. So that's you know that's competitive, but you know that's the trading. On the on the investment side, we don't charge anything to execute the trade. We don't charge anything to go in and out. We just start that we we charge at zero point eighty eight percent annually. And you know if you ask me how that compare, you know again I haven't screened the market. But I went myself to my bran the branch of my bank, and you know asked, you know what, how could I get a, a global portfolio? I was offered three funds. For each of them, I had a five percent fee to enter the fund, a one point five percent fee to maintain the fund, and a one percent exit fee. And they said yes, you can negotiate. But those were the, s the charge to start with. So we do believe in transparency. I think the zero point eighty eight percent. So your game is about reducing the costs, right? Reducing the cost, giving the flexibility to go in and out is really important as well, and, and, and monitoring it. Okay. How do you keep the cost so low? Hello. Well, you know, by, by using technology, you know, by not having branches, by not having, you know, a guy that is going to take you for lunch in an expensive restaurant. I mean, you know. My banker never takes me for an expensive lunch. Oh. They give me a sweetie. You need, you need more. You need more assets. <laughs> Well, any more questions? Uh, uh, oh my God, be careful. She's a very smart banker. Come here. She attends lots of Web Wednesdays. That's why she's smart. curious because Hong Kong is traditionally a very active stock market and how does your e-trading platform compare like compete with other local securities firms and uh, yeah I, I know that you serve like local customer retail customer that means you probably do volume business rather than high margin business how do you see that sustainable in this market 
Yeah, that's that's correct. You know, I mean, in, on the brokerage business, the rule is super simple, always the same. It's price, product, and service. So you, you need to offer execution at a decent price, which we do. You know, you need a good product. Uh, and again, that's pretty standard now. And, you know, you need somebody to answer the phone when you have a problem. I think once you, you know, offer those three things, uh, it's pretty much an open game. And it's going to be about promotion to acquire new customers. But that's, you know, that's a good, a good business, but a mature business that exists now for 15 years. You didn't answer her question. Really? She oh. said, how do you compete with the local brokerages? Or are you competing with, well, like, you know, we, we you know like, I don't know, I don't broker with local, I don't know, Guanghua, or name some local brokerages. Name some. Philips and uh, Bryce Smart Securities. Yeah, and absolutely. Newcomers Chinese and uh, just like he said, why can't like uh, Jack Ma overnight set up a brokerage firm here? No, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, it's it's a tough game. Uh, you know, and and again, you know, you can just compete by price, but you know, it's not it's not a very interesting value proposition. Uh, and we do. Are you the first brokerage to op offer robo robo services? Absolutely, yes. The you first are. ones in Asia. Do you expect all the other brokers here to launch Robo? No, I, I don't know if the brokers will, you know, will, will offer it, but I'm sure the banks and you know, the, the, whether they are private or commercial uh, and the advisors will definitely have a look at it. So have I have to, to have ask this because I've spent the last six months talking to investors. What is your exit strategy? In other words, when do you coin it? Uh, which is Hopefully. English slang for show me the money. When, when do you... Hopefully as late as possible because it's really fascinating. I was lucky to be twice at the right place at the right time. Again, you know, launching E-Trade in 2000 when online brokerage was picking up and everything was Did you make invent. any money from E-Trade? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. A lot? Yeah. A Not a lot because... You know, the valuation, you know, got, you know, went from $25 to $1 overnight <laughs> in 2008. Uh, Thank God you didn't have a robo-advisor. That would have really screwed well, up. No, the, the opposite, the robo would have protected me from that. You okay. know, but being so concentrated in one stock, E-Trade, I got hurt. So yeah. I learned the hard way. But I think, you know, what's going to... I do believe the robo-advisor is going to have, a, you know, has a long life ahead. And inventing new products... In that in that in that category is going to be fascinating. So, do you have an R and D team? Do you have the, uh, intelligent people like that lady over there who are helping you develop new products? That intelligent, I don't I don't know, but yes, all our so do you have like all our technology is developed in house. So, you have an R and D team who are looking at the future and saying, right, here's some products we have to bring to market. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And where are they based? You, the products, you mean? No, the, these, these. Oh, here in Hong Kong. Kind of, in Hong Kong. Yeah, your your okay, team cool. is in Hong Kong. Excellent. I saw some hands over here. So um, robo-advisors are very big in more established markets. So looking at the US, it's very big there, as you said. Um, so I've put myself through some of these demos just to see what the platforms are like. And for myself and someone of a similar or same risk profile, after doing these very simple risk questionnaires, um, there's been, between different providers, very different asset allocations or diversified portfolios. How do you determine your asset allocation um, for your model here? And how do you distinguish yourself? Well, again, you know, the US businesses are more mature. You know, most of those companies have between, you know, the, the biggest one from three to five years. 
It's very geared towards you know, tax optimization because obviously it's a big issue in the States that we don't have here. But as I say, for us, really what's, you know, what's going to determine you know, your, your, the, the profile of your portfolio based on your risk profile of the questions that you answered of the survey is going to be the weight of bonds versus stocks. If you're the same risk profile across two providers, um, I've seen asset allocation very widely, so you can have someone whose balanced risk profile go with betterment and be 60-40 equities versus someone with um, Wallfront, and there might be 70-30 equities. So asset allocation is quite key, and that's determined by the risk questionnaire, which you answer when you sign on board. So how do you guys make sure that your risk profile is done correctly? Well, you know, it's a very, very good question. And I, I don't want to comment for our competitors, but if you go, the leader in this industry is called Wealthfront. They have about two billion under management now. If you go on their site, the questionnaire is five questions. And it's like, you know, how old are you? Uh, how much money do you make? And, uh, you know, how long do you want to invest for? Or something like that. So, you know, I kind of agree with you. It's hard to understand how, you know, they, they decide a risk profile. Isn't there a correlation between that and the dating websites? Uh, you got the Tinder. You, you, you're coming back <coughs> to it that. It sounds like wealth, wealth, what, what's it called? Wealth Nest? Wealth? wealth Front. It's like Tinder, right? Like, don't like, you know. But ca can't you do a Tinder of stock? Yeah, that one looks good. Go for that one. No, that one, no, no, too young. Get rid of that. There's no can't, such thing as too young. Well, no, yeah, can you not on. do a Tinder? Yeah. Of, can we have a Tinder of stock? Like, you know. Yeah, China, no, out of go, fuck that. Excuse me, uh, New Zealand, yeah, not bad, good air. Go for that one. Good, let's do a new run based on and that. No <laughs> Tinder of stock. No, I'm, his run. point is that the algorithms don't sound like they're consistent, right? I, I can't comment for <coughs> You know, they're going, the you know, here are five questions. I'm going to say that you should take this mixture of stock and bonds and all this. And I, I have to say, it's the same with human beings. I have spoken to many human beings who said to me, your risk profile is right out there. Take this, this, and this. By the way, you need some bonds because we're selling them and, you know, just in case. So where is this going? Where's the, you know, I still don't understand why you have to ask five questions. Why can't you take all the other stuff I do on the internet and go, you know, this bloke, no, I'm not like you. This bloke, you know, is obviously interested in technology. You know, he has a family. He likes to travel. Right, maybe this mixture of stocks would actually be quite interesting for him because he might have an emotional attachment to them, right? I think the guys at Motley Fool do a great job. Thefool.com. They send out a newsletter. They put in opinions. They keep on selling you all these additional services. It's all marketing. But... You know, they, they, they try and emotionally bond you to a product. But we don't want to do that. You know, we don't want to do all of that. We just have to find the I'm right balance. I'm an emotional balance. person. I want to be emotionally bonded to my stock. Napoleon. Sorry. An American's going to correct me now. So, so I, I was unfair. I asked you a, a facetious question earlier, and so I'll try and uh, do a, a more fair one. Um, this type of a business model makes a lot of sense to me. What you're saying is, is that the market is a spectrum of different potential buyers. You've got at the top end of the spectrum the high net worth individuals and or those that are willing to spend the time to become individual investors of some knowledge into the space. That's not what this product is about. 
On the bottom of the market, you've got the individuals who don't have enough wealth or discretionary income to probably do anything other than put it into their savings account and, and pay for their day-to-day -day needs. But you've got a large middle of the market where uh, a significant portion of those people are intimidated by the market and don't know how to get into that market. But because of their fear of getting into that market, they, they're missing out on the returns that come from it. Fair? Spot on. Spot on. Okay. So you're coming to... Yeah, so far, I'm helping you out here. I'm trying to do this. So, so far, you're coming through and you're saying, if you're going to enter the market and you are of sufficient wealth but not overwhelming wealth, then buying individual stocks is going to be a very uh, difficult thing for you to do because you're not going to end up with enough diversification. So we're going to come to the table with a system that allows you to have a reasonable amount of diversification against the market and we'll do it where that diversification varies a little bit based upon the degree of variation that I can build based upon eight questions, but not 300 questions because there's only so much tolerance on the consumer's part for answering it. Am I, am I with you so far? Absolutely, okay. yes. So there is a real value in that. I do want to have one question about this, and that is you talked about a 88 basis point um, annual uh, charge. I knew it. it was too good to be true, yeah. <laughs> Yes. So from my experience, that's quite a reasonable charge. That's not very much for the services that you're providing. I do want to clarify one thing, however, and that is, is that you're offering the foundation of what you're offering are ETFs, which are provided by Morningstar. Morningstar is assembling these baskets of securities so that they've got the U.S. mid-cap and they've got the uh, Asian you know, small cap and so forth. And they pr in providing that basket, there is a management fee that is part of building and maintaining that basket. That's correct. And so that's part of the cost of buying the ETF itself. So let me be super specific. Um, Morningstar doesn't have any ETFs. What Morningstar, like, because we want to avoid any conflict. And for example, Schwab, with his robo-advisor, you know, sell mostly Schwab's ETF. What Morningstar does, there is no Morningstar ETF. It picks up the best ETFs in the market. So it's Vanguard, uh, BlackRock, etc. Morningstar charges us to do that service, to pick up, the pick up the ETFs and to do the rebalancing. The cost of Morningstar is absorbed by us. Okay, it is we part absorb of that. the 88 basis It's part points. of the 88, that's correct. Okay. But to be completely transparent, those, you know, for example, if, if in the one of the ETFs in the portfolio is a Vanguard portfolio. There is a 1.0, you know, 0.1% charge that is, you know, that is included in the performance of the ETF. So it doesn't come on top, but it's there. But they are minimal because Morningstar has chosen, you know, US listed ETF amongst the most liquid ones. In total, it represents 190 billion US dollars in, uh, in value. So, the morning tax cost is eaten by us, okay. as well as the execution cost. Which is fabulous. This is all very, very good for the consumer at the end of the day. Here's the big money question, however. Is anybody paying you money based upon the composition of the basket of items that are recommended by your engine? You mean like, do we get kickback from Vanguard or BlackRock? They don't tend to refer to it as a kickback. <laughs> 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 no, 
No, but, but it's a very valid question. Because the it's, answer, the big, it's the big conflict of interest. You're it, right. And the answer is no. The answer is no. What E-Trade is, you know, sorry, what Aid Security is, is a broker. You know, we own the technology. We own the brokerage license. We use Morningstar to, you know, put those baskets of EDF together. The, you know, the baskets, are, the ETFs are run by, you know, Vanguard and so on. Yep. But the answer is no. Absolutely. And we like that we have no conflict at all. You know, it's completely... Extreme. So you're independent. You're... 100%. We have one last question. This gentleman here. Hi. My question was about the technology. Because we talk about disruptive things. The tech seems to be the real thing that, that disrupts a lot of stuff. You mentioned that you use AWS. I'm a big proponent of AWS. Do you think that being having a service like Amazon Web Services available, you were able to start up quickly and, and effectively without having to spend lots of capital and resources on data centers and, 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 and backup and DR and all those things? So the big issue with brokerage is that you need to have the capacity for the big day. You know, the day the market is going to be crazy and you're going to get 10,000 orders when usually you have 500. So until now, you know, until now, until the, the cloud, you needed to have the servers to absorb those 10,000 trades a day, even when 364 days a year you do 500. The beauty for us of Amazon is like electricity, you know, when, you know, Friday night we turn on, you know, we turn off the electricity and Monday, Monday morning we open again. It's fantastic for our business. It's really, really making a big difference. Again, having the ability to run on 10 servers, but in one hour have access to 100 servers because the market gets crazy is, is a huge asset. Okay, so you've done a good job. Merci beaucoup. A round of applause. You've got three beers. Now, the fun does not end here. Where's Charles? Charles. Charles came up with a brilliant idea. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I forgot to say something. Okay. Before you, you go to that, I forgot to say that, you know, Napoleon asked us to come with an idea. So Charles is going to explain one. But for anybody who is going to open an account, an eight, now, an eight securities account, if you put Wednesday next to your name in the application, you will get 888 Hong Kong dollars of cash in your account. As a wow. Of Can you say that again? Very slowly. Yes. So if you decide to, you know, open an account based on what you heard tonight, just when you go and fill the application next to your name, write Web Wednesday, Web Wednesday and you will get... Where, where do I go? Which website? AidSecurities.com. You know, look at the OLA. It's all online. And then you fill the application, put Web Wednesday next to your name once you fund the account and buy at least one unit. So minimum 1,000 US dollars. We'll put 888 Hong Kong dollars of cash on your account. I bet you they can't do that in America, Ted. Not a chance. Sarbanes Oxley. Your country is strangling itself. Charles. So, the fun does not end. A, A, A. The, tonight, I told Matthias he could buy you all a drink. And he goes, Not original. So, Charles has come up with a better idea. So, he's going to explain it to you. So, pay attention because it's actually quite a good idea. So thank you to Matthias to support the, the community here tonight. So the idea is to uh, pick up some business cards from the, uh, the application uh, desk over there and uh, give 1,000 Hong Kong dollars of spending in five different uh, startups from Hong Kong, which uh, Napoleon will pick up for us. No? Me? Yes. 
I'm choosing five startups. I thought they got to choose the five. No. You can help. Yeah, yeah. Everybody on the nest. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> so every, everyone got to every, everyone got to support and try some services from uh, from companies which are rising here in Hong Kong. Yeah. So the idea is so that good luck to everyone. If you get one of those five vouchers, you get to spend 1,000 Hong Kong dollars to the products sold by those startups. I like that. That's another way to support startups. So I think we should change this. I think the person getting the, the, the award should decide, not me. That's not fair. Right. Go on, close your eyes. No, no, no. Get, you know, get an innocent hand. Uh, innocent hand. Can we have an innocent hand, please? She's from England. They're not innocent. Hey, Oplas. Go on. Not from north, from the south, yeah. uh, Essex. <laughs> <laughs> and the winner is, you can read it. Um, Richard Wright from Dynafresh. Dynafresh, are you still here? Going once, going twice, sorry. No thousand dollars to charity, bugger off. No, no, no charity. Oh, sorry, uh, well, startups are like charity. charity. Right, no, 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 no. Yeah, Hold right. on. If you want, you can put it in the jar. <laughs> if you don't have startups, that's put really it in a good a choice. Jar. Yes. It either goes to a startup, which is a form of charity, <laughs> or to people in Nepal who are in much more need than all these cocky little startups in Hong Kong. Alan Tam from Power. Alan, are you here? Come over, mate. A photo session. Thank you. <laughs> Woo hoo! Alan actually works for a mobile payment company. Mobile, mobile commerce. Sorry, it's got bigger than payment. Go on. Are you going to give him? Are you going to give him a thousand dollars now? No, but I had written some vouchers. He can give you a, a, a. He can give you a mobile pass. To there you go. Little photo. Photo. Why don't you bring like a thousand dollar notes? That'd be much more exciting. <laughs> Excellent. Good job. There goes 1,000 of the... F how many? Five. Five. All right, next one. You can choose. You can choose. Uh, uh, no, no, no. You can do one. Yeah, yeah, you're allowed to do one. Creation. Amanda. Amanda. Creation. creation. Going once, going twice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Another $1,000. You have to give this to a start. The condition is startups in Hong Kong. Or CWS. All right, uh, next one. Just so we don't. You can't give it to Oracle. They've got plenty of money. Or Nest. They've got far too much money. Rubbish. <laughs> do you want to come up and do one? Are you going to put your own name card? You can't. <laughs> That's not allowed. All right. Don't look. Don't look. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. This is the third thousand dollars Frederick Path. Oh, Frederick! Woo! What, what does he do? Frederick from Tom. Uh, yeah, that company definitely does not is not a startup. <laughs> All right, Frederick. Enchanté. A photo. Un, deux, trois. Smile. Okay, that's three thousand dollars gone like that. Like that. No, All right. Who's going to do the next one? Cindy. Cindy! Is she still there? She left. We had a very... Uh, <coughs> yeah, no, no, come on. Let's do one more, one more. How about the person who asked you a really good question? Ted, come up here. 
Yeah, yeah. You, you get. You can buy the painting. Do I get the whole wall? That's great. All right, we have a winner of Chinese characters that I do not read. Steve Lau of HKEY. Yeah, oh, he asked you some good questions. There you go. You should talk to him later. And the final. Did you put your card in there? Why not? Because I'll give the money to charity. Are we? Okay, good man. The last one is going $1,000 to charity, a form of startup. It is my friend from AIA, Nelson McKay. Step right up. Oh, yeah. AIA giving money to Nepal. I like that. AIA, is he here? Is he not here? He's gone, man. He's not very friendly, is he? He's going to cop it for that one. Next one. All right. Yeah, he can donate that, not him. No, 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 no. Wait, there's one more, mate. No, AIA is donating it, not you. Okay, yeah, on, be on behalf of AIA. Oh, okay, it's Nicholas from Supply Chain Management. Ah, oh, Nicola, where are you? He's gone. He's, 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 a, he's a mean networker. One event is not enough. God, there's nobody left. There's nobody left. How about that lot in the corner over there? All right, here we go. Uh, Brad Garland from Siganti. Brad Garland? No, maybe all these people pissed off early. I don't understand. You've got, you haven't got very... You, did you ever go to Macau? <laughs> I'm not going to Macau with you, man. Horses and shit material. Two things I can't pick. Oh, it's... it's uh, she's gone as well. She was gone. <laughs> you obviously thought she was attractive. You remembered that one. Yeah, I think she gave me her card. All right, this one. DBS. Oh, yes. DBS. Uh, uh, we've just launched the DBS Accelerator, which is all about fintech companies. So if you've got a fintech company, apply now. DBSAccelerator.com. It's Zhong Li, Assistant Vice President. Oh, yeah. DBS. DBS. There you go. Good, night. Good question. All right. Thank you very much. A little photo, photo, photo. All right, as we have, to close it off, as we have some fintech-related people in this room, there is one company in this town who's doing an amazing job to promote the startup community. And I hate to say this, but it's Simon Squibb, who used to compete with me. And this gentleman has recently joined him, and they're doing some amazing things with fintech. So come and say a few words, because the people in this room need to know it. Um, well, thank you very much, Napoleon. And um, hi, everyone. Some of you know me. Um, I've been in Hong Kong for 12 years. Um, Peter Dingle. I used to be at Intel. Um, I've, as Napoleon said, I'd, I'd left the, the comfort of my marketing corporate brand job at Intel uh, in February this year. And I've started the corporate brand um, accelerator programs with Nest. Nest is 11 people now. Um, we have a couple other people in the audience here. So if, if you're still here, put your hand up and uh, make yourself known. I think Jess and Emma might be in the room. Um, but essentially, to keep a long story short, um, we've opened applications for a DBS-sponsored accelerator program. Um, that means that if you are a fintech um, startup, uh, early stage, anywhere up to five million US dollars raised, um, preferably not one guy with an idea on the back of an envelope, um, you can apply now. 
uh, until July the 1st. Um, the program will start on August the 3rd. It will run for 12 weeks, and it will have all of the might and power of DBS behind it. Um, DBS is looking f to transform the, um, the small-medium enterprise uh, banking in Asia and Southeast Asia, and uh, they have um, a huge n amount of resources and data and access to market, and they are looking to turn um, one of these eight startups that they sponsor into a supplier. So uh, tell all your friends, uh, apply now. Can you just explain how an accelerator works? For those who don't know, what, what is an accelerator? Accelerator is essentially doing everything that you would normally do in your startup in two years in 90 days. So it comes, um, it comes with the support of KPMG, uh, Amazon Web Services, Microsoft Software, uh, Invest Hong Kong, uh, and from a from a set up your company in Hong Kong and get visas, um, and the Hong Kong government with the five hundred million dollars that the government's putting into startups as of this year. Um, the idea is that instead of taking a lot of time and a lot of effort to to build your company over two years, you get access to all of those resources in a compressed amount of time. Um, you join the program. You go through a three phase. Uh, meet the mentors, build the business, pitch your business to investors, and at the end of the 90-day program, you effectively raise money. And you move yourself from a stage one seed company, hopefully through to a pre-A or an A stage company, where you start to build a growth business. Nice. Very good. Round of applause for this gentleman. Good part of the... Thank you, man. <coughs> okay, so before you get back to hanging out with each other, where's... Dino, Dino, the bar manager, where are you? Where is he, Dino? So uh, this venue uh, I, I am quite emotionally attached to because one of my friends sings here, plays the piano, and Dino, the bar manager, where is he? So if you ever want to come here and do like a cool corp Dino there, talk to him. You've got to meet Matthias on that wall. Where's Ted? Ted on that wall? And the lady picking up the name cards on that wall. So come and use this event. I also want to thank Ron here from Radio Chinwag. Very funky English teaching. What are you doing there? Kind of English teaching apps kind of stuff, right? And Bronny. Where's Bronny.com? The easiest thing to remember. B-R-O-N-N-E-Y.com. He takes photographs of people in dark nightclubs. So talk to him. So I'll see you back here on the first Wednesday of June. Thank you very much for coming and hang out and get to know each other. Join our community of Asian Digerati at webwednesday.asia. Thanks to Radio Chinwag, creators of educating and entertaining radio shows, for helping out with this podcast. Find them at radiochinwag.com.